0: Well, good morning, morning. I'm Dan Clancy, I'm the new Next Generation um, Director, I had to think what my title is so long, sometimes I forget what it is, Um, but I want to welcome you here this morning, and uh, for all you that are watching us online, thanks for being here. Um, Today we're going to be in week four of our series, Fear Not, which is about the family, and uh, I'm just thrilled to be here. I'm just so glad um, to tell you a little bit about us coming here for you that don't know. Um, I read an ad that you guys put in a organization's portfolio of Vanderbloom and I read it the first time and I'm like, oh man, I don't know anything about Wisconsin, but that sounds like a really great church. And we candidated in a couple places in Texas. And every time I tell my wife, I'm like, you know what? I think that if I take any job, except that one in Wisconsin, I'm always going to be thinking what would it have been like if, had we, if, if we didn't go. And uh, we kept praying about it. We kept praying about it and pursuing. And, and finally, um, you know, the interview came and, it's just one of those things where, where people would ask, well, how do you know? You just sort of know when you're doing the right thing. You just know that you were supposed to go there. And so uh, Tim Prince last week, you know, he let you know, all he let you know about me was uh, that I was old. <laughs> and that's all you needed to know. And uh, I thought I'd fill you in a little bit more beside that I'm old. Yes, I have been in ministry now for um, 29 years. I mean, 39 years. Uh, me and my wife, Leah, have been married for 26 of those. We have four kids and uh, a son-in-law. He, my, daughter, my oldest daughter just got married in last March, and so... Um, my oldest daughter is at Moody University she is studying um, urban ministries and she's hoping to get into um, the immigration issue down at the border and then my next two are both at Liberty University my 19 year old he's going to be twenty in a couple weeks and then my 22 year old and they're both into the nursing um, field there and Just constantly, constantly studying is one of the hardest things they've ever done. And for all you nurses, doctors, medical people, I definitely—I've always admired you. My dad was a medic in the Air Force, so. But anyway, that's them. And then my youngest son, Micah, is with us, and he just now turned in his uh, some of his, uh, you know, applications to college. One to the University of Minnesota and the other one was, to my surprise, um, North Dakota. And, but anyway, we're happy to be here. We're loving it. This is a great place. And I can honestly tell you that you have some of the most amazing teenagers in the world. You may not feel that way. They may be different at home. But I, I, I have not sensed any rudeness, anything. I'm like, man. In fact, it was this way. I came home like in uh, September, and I'm like, honey, this is weird for me to say this, but they either really like me or they're mocking me. <laughs> I can't figure it out. And then a group of them, Micah is their leader. Um, then a group of them started wearing, the, they, they got these shirts. And the girls, the seniors always sit down front, and they're like, have you seen the shirts? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. We didn't order any new suits, shirts. And they're like, uh, she said, you should go back there and see them. So anyway, I go back there and there's these seventh graders that have I, heart, Dan Clancy. (laughs) I have a picture to prove it. Uh, But anyway, I'm like, I go home. I'm like, I guess they do like me, you know? (laughs) Who'd ever thought they'd like a 59-year-old, but hey, Um, but I just want you to know they're incredible, and they serve, like they're everywhere serving, and this is just a great church to be at, and I'm thrilled to be uh, speaking today on the family, and are you ready? Ready Oh, really? This is such a simple sermon today. you're you're going to feel like you got here and you left because it's so simple. But yet, it could be an aha moment for you. And so, let's get into it. Before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this auditorium. We pray that you'd keep the evil one far away. And Lord, I pray that for the families today that may be struggling Or they don't know what to do or marriages that just found it a lot harder than they thought it would be. Lord, I pray that today as we look at your word and what you say about what we need to do, Lord, we'll find our answers in you. Make this simple and I pray that everyone will be able to hear this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was young, young adult, I would think about my life. I don't know if I was unusual, but maybe all of you did that. But I think about all my life, what it was going to be like. I thought about who I was going to marry, what she would be like. I thought about how many kids we would have, you know. I thought about the home that I desired to have with the white picket fence and the pool in the backyard. I thought about... All the friends that were going to be coming over, we'd have barbecues and abundance of friends and abundance of finances, and it was a good life. Now, not all of that happened. Some of it did, some of it didn't. But I thought about a life with no struggles, that was for sure. And when it comes to fa- families, there's a tension that we all feel. Not some of us, but all of us. We all feel it. And the tension is between what is real and what is ideal. And I don't know if you've noticed this. You know, we live in strange times. Our lives are very, very connected. There's Facebook, there's TikTok, there's Instagram, Snapchat, there's Twitter. And when I'm bored, I like to look at them. Does anyone, is anyone with me? You're bored, you look at them, okay? Now, I don't know if you've noticed this. This might be something only I have noticed. But when I look at Facebook, one of the things that I've noticed is everyone else has a perfect family. It's amazing, they have a perfect family. I look at their pictures, they have perfect pictures on there. Their house is always clean. They always go on these great trips. They never fight. And then I look at mine. And mine is, compared to theirs, not so interesting. Seems like my life is a wreck compared to theirs. Then years ago, one of the main culprits in my mind, this family that I see on Instagram, because they post everything, All the time. It seems like a couple times a day. Now, we go on vacation with them. Man, they're perfect. They're perfect on Facebook. We go on vacation, and I'm like, wow. (laughs) Wow, what happened to their family? They had it so together. Maybe it's just a bad week. Maybe they're just having this bad week this week. They yell at each other all the time. They get in these arguments that are just flat stupid. The father and son, they will wrestle around the house. And to the point that the dad looked like he was going to break the kid's arm. And the kid, the father's yelling, just say uncle, just say uncle. The kids, I'll never say uncle. This close to breaking his arm. It was just craziness. I never thought I'd see anything like that. But that was their Instagram life. It wasn't their real life. What most people's real life is, is that your marriage is rocky. Their real life is maybe you're taking care of your elderly parents. What is real is that you might be taking care of your grandkids. What is real is that you're a newlywed and you never thought marriage would be this hard. What is real is that you have children and they're misbehaving. What is real is that you might even have a prodigal and and it's breaking your heart. What's real is your husband doesn't want to come to church with you and maybe you fought all the way to church today or you fought before you came. But for me... I just wanna tell you is I lost my father of the year award. I had it for two weeks. (laughs) I was running this big summer youth camp. There was like 700 kids at this camp and my church didn't have enough enough chaperones for the girls. So I asked my wife, I'm like, Leah, can you come and be a chaperone? And she's like, well, what are we gonna do with Micah? Michael was in fifth grade. He wasn't old enough to be in this camp. He still had one more year until he could go into this camp. I'm like, honey, that's easy. I could watch him. And she said, you have other responsibilities. You're not going to watch him. I'm like, yeah, I will. I said, man, he's going to have the time of his life. I said, it has a cabin, and the cabin has air conditioning. And so what I did for Michael was I set him up with Everything. Man, unlimited paintball, unlimited um, bowling. They had a bowling alley. Unlimited bowling alley, the ropes course. They had canoeing. They had so many activities that would entertain him all day long. And then on top of that, I gave him a tab. I gave him a tab to the ice cream place and the snack shop. Every time I saw him, there was a slushie in his mouth, there's a burger in his mouth, there were onion rings, there were fries, there was candy, there was milkshakes. Unbelievable. And every time I saw him, he was smiling. He had something in his mouth. Now that week was a really, really hot um, week. Really hot for Ohio. Ohio rarely gets to 100 degrees, but it was like 100 degrees and temperatures were going, uh, electricity was going out and stuff like that. And so my wife, she would ask me, she said, did you put any sunscreen on him? Honey, he's in fifth grade. He could put his own sunscreen on. I didn't know that's what you were supposed to do. Uh, Is he hydrated? Well, every time I see him, he's got a Coke in his hand. Uh, and then my wife, she was on me the whole time. Are you watching him? And it was in that tone. One night, he didn't show up for a service. And my wife says, where is he? I'm like, I don't know there's 700 kids here. It's like, I don't know. I can't be watching everyone at, at all times. And she dials the number up, and she calls them, and... I'm like, honey, he's fine. She's, he sends a message back a couple minutes later. I'm sick. I'm really in trouble now. Did you know he was sick? I'm like, honey, he's not sick. I've seen him eating all this stuff all day long. He's probably just got an upset stomach from all this stuff. So, anyway, after the service were over, I walked down to my nice cabin with air conditioning. And sure enough, I find Micah in a ball on the couch and he says to me, dad, I threw up. I follow his finger where he's pointing and he was pointing to the bed that we were sharing. (laughs) He threw up all over the couch, all over the comforters, all over the sheets, he didn't miss my pillow that I brought from home to be at this camp so I could sleep well, it didn't hurt my neck. He threw up over everything. And as I wad it all up to get it to go without puking myself, you know, to wash it, my feet, I was wearing flip-flops and my feet slide out from underneath me. (laughs) Next thing you know, I'm rolling in it. In it. I got to my feet because I'm the specimen that I am. I roll to my feet. Now it's on the front of me. Okay? And I look at the situation. The can, the trash can was two feet away. (laughs) The bathroom was 10 feet away. The worst part of all was I was trying to be cool that week because I'm running a camp. And there's a lot of other youth pastors and I'm an older youth pastor as Prince reminded you guys. (laughs) And so I noticed that I sat my suitcase down and I left it open and I thought to myself, no, he didn't. No, he didn't, there's no way. Then I looked in my suitcase, yes, he did. He threw up all over my suitcase, my clothes for the week. How am I gonna look cool? So how did I lose my award? I got mad. I got mad because he threw up all over my clothes. I didn't show the mercy that I needed to show. I made him clean it up with me. But dad, I'm sick. You're not sick, son. You just have been eating junk food all day. Now, there's this thing that you try in your life never to be like, okay? You try not to be your parents, right? How many are with me? You tried not to be your parents. Come on, you didn't all have perfect families like that. You tried not to be. Okay, maybe you're sitting by him, okay. (laughs) Now, my dad was a medic and he ran the emergency room. My dad, in the earlier years during the wars, he was the guy on the helicopter that kept people alive. My dad, when we came back to the States, you know, he had various jobs, but he was in charge of the emergency room. You know one thing we were never allowed to be? We were never allowed to be sick as a kid. You'd say, I'm sick. You're not sick. You're not sick. I'll show you sick. You believe me, you did not want to see sick, okay? He took you down to the, you know, he took you down to the hospital and someone, you know, in the Air Force, they just, they were, you know, I'm, I'm that old. They were still doing things with the propellers and they were getting their arms chopped off and stuff like that. You'd see sick. So I didn't want to say my dad's thing. You're not sick. So I thought about it. Poor kid. I probably wouldn't have been mad about the comforter. I probably wouldn't have been mad about the sheets. But when you throw up in someone's suitcase, that's personal. Personal. So why do I admit that to you today? I want to make you feel at ease today. There's no father of the years in here that I'm aware of. Um, We all have stuff in our family. We all have junk. We are all broken and we need to own it. We need to fix it, but we don't. Instead, a lot of times what we do is we fake it till we make it. Often the tension between our real family and our Instagram family, you know, one of the tensions in our society is like, "Ah, don't even worry about it. Every family's messed up. Don't even try. You don't even have to. Um, We're all broken. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to do anything about it. But that's not the way it is with Jesus. Us Jesus people. Because Jesus has a different standard for us. And the weird thing is he blows the standard up. He blows it away. And, you know, it's saying, Jesus takes what's idea and he blows it up beyond recognition. And a lot of times it's, with, it's beyond what we feel like we can do. Jesus raises the standard and That's the challenge I have for us today. Let's raise our standard. We know where we're at. We know that we're broken. We know that we can do better. And for us that don't live up to the standard, the beautiful thing about it is Jesus, he asks us, he raises the bar on us, he asks us to do it. But the beautiful thing is that there's grace and forgiveness. Jesus refuses, to condemn those that fall short. Jesus raises the bar for us. He says things like this. You've heard it said that it is like this. But I tell you it is like this. He tells us to do crazy, difficult things. He tells us to go and when someone slaps us to turn the other cheek. He tells us when someone asks, when a soldier asks, them to go one mile to go the extra mile, Jesus asks us to do some really, really difficult things. And when it comes to the family and we fall short, Jesus says this to us My grace is sufficient for you. And so when it comes to your family, I know a lot of you are discouraged, and I don't want you to feel even more discouraged, but Jesus offers us the solution. And I'm going to share that with you. You might be thinking, oh, Dan, my family is a mess. It's beyond help. This may make you feel good. In preparing for the sermon, when I looked through the entire Old Testament, I didn't see any good examples of a family. When going through the New Testament, I didn't see any good families in the New Testament either. I read some really good stuff about principles, teachings of Jesus, about what the family was supposed to be like. And so I'm going to share these verses with you. And so if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn your Bibles, it's in Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, verse 22. This first one is doozy. You ladies hate it. A lot of men use this verse, and they weaponize it. I'm not going to allow them to do that today. I'm going to take that weapon away today. And I already saw one woman say, thank the Lord, okay? (laughs) So anyway, here's the verse. It says in verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. That's unto the Lord. Very, very quoted verse. Verse 25, it says husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In chapter six, verses one through four, it says children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers do not pr- provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Be to God. So what they're describing here is the idea, the perfect family. Wives, love your husbands, respect. I mean, for me to love my wife, for my wife to love me, for my kids to obey their parents, and for me not to provoke um, the kids. Now, I've often wondered about that. I don't know if you've wondered about it, but that whole thing about husbands don't provoke your children. I always wondered, why doesn't it say parents don't provoke your children? Are the husbands the only provokers? Yes. (laughs) And my whole family would agree with you. But I think to myself, my wife says, I say something and everyone's provoked. I must be the tone. Maybe it's the way I look. I don't know. But I hear my wife say like double that and no one's provoked. She gets a free pass. I just don't get it. But something for me to work on. The Bible says it is, I need to work on it. But in in these verses, Paul is describing what the family should look like. And most people, when they read these verses, one of the things that they experience in their life is fail, fail, fail. So today, just for fun, let's tackle the hardest one on this list of the verses that I just read. The one that is politically incorrect, the one that is hated most by women. Which one is that? (laughs) Yes, that one. So let me tell you why this verse is so important. This specific application was given to everyone in the family, not just wives, and I'll prove that to you. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, the verse that you don't want me to read again, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Now, when a man brings this verse up to me, when it's relating to his wife, I say to the man, what is the first word of the verse? And if he can't find it in the Bible, I'll open it for him in the Bible. And I said, now read it. What is the first word in the verse. And he says, wives. And I said, exactly, yes. Paul is talking to the wives. He's not talking to you. There are verses that start with husbands. You should probably focus on those. (laughs) Amen, women? (laughs) Amen. When you have that down, we can move on. But when, let's stick to the ones that say, Husbands, there's a coach, I have never liked him. I have to be in, in, in the NFL. I am a big fan of the NFL. But in the NFL, there's a coach, Bill Belichick. He, he used to win all the time. Maybe it was because of Tom Brady. I don't know. But I still think he's a great coach. But one of the things that he always would say, and it definitely pertains to this verse, but he would always say, do your, finish it for me, that know it. Do your own job. Do your own job. Everyone had a job to do. Do your own job. I think that's pretty good. So ladies, I'm with you. I've got your back, okay? Now, when Jesus was asked, he, asked, he was asked this question, what is the greatest command, most important command? Jesus said, love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law was summed up with one word. Like I said, this is a simple sermon today given to you by a very simple person. But it was all summed up, love. Love, love, love. And Paul's seeing this brand new church. Church. And he thinks to himself, how do I apply the teachings of Jesus to the family dynamic? Paul, he's coming along and he's looking at this new Christian church that he has. And he over, he's looking over his congregation like I'm doing now. And he sees the grandparents, he sees parents, he sees youth, he sees children, he sees the nursery. One church five generations, just like we have. One church, five generations. And he, and he thinks, this guy's got the same, they got the same issues that we do. This was all new. Loving your neighbor as yourself, this was new. There had never been a family dynamic built around love. There had been a family dynamic built about around discipline. There had been a fi- family dynamic built around respect, but loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was turning things upside down. You see, Jesus wanted those of us with power to help the powerless, to use our power for the sake of others. That was Jesus's desire. And this was a brand new idea. So Paul and Peter are thinking, how can we make this look like what the teachings of Jesus are? So I know men like to quote verse 22, but I'm going to ask you, what does verse 21 say? So there's verse 21 and there's verse 22. Which one came first? Okay. Okay. I know you guys are smart. So 21, 21 should trump 22, at least in my mind it should. So let's go, let's see what um, 21 has to say. Are you ready for it? Yeah, here we go. We'll put that one on the screen. It says submitting to what? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's an aha moment. That's a duh. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are supposed to be submitting to one another, the whole family. Why is this that important? It's powerful. It's life-changing. This is what the Christian family is supposed to do and be. The principle of mutual submission is I'm going to leverage my power, my assets, my time for your benefit. Whether you're here, you're a father, you're a mother, you're a child. I am going to look for all of us should be doing this. We are supposed to be looking for ways that we can get up underneath the burden and help. For your sake, out of reverence for Christ, that is what we're called to do. Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus got up underneath the burden of our sin. He leveraged his power. He leveraged his resources. He leveraged everything that he had, all of his authority, all of his position. He leveraged it for the sake of us. And that's what he wants us to do for one another, to show that kind of love. And just as Jesus, our Lord, submitted himself for those under his authorities, we should all be doing the same. And this is just my opinion In my opinion, whether it's your family, whether it's your corporation, whether it's your neighborhood, this is the most important relational dynamic there is, is when we loan our influence. When I loan you my power, I loan you my status, I loan you my wealth. And mutual submission is this, it's saying, I'm here for you. Did you get that? It's saying, I am here for you, regardless of where you fall in the hierarchy of your family, whether you're the dad, you're the mom, the firstborn, the secondborn. It's leveraging ourselves." And so I'm going to ask you to do something today, okay? Today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, I want to tell you that he is here for you, too. And so just in a moment, I'm going to ask us to repeat something up. Because when Jesus, like, like I said earlier, Jesus comes and he blows things up, I'm going to ask you to ask this question out loud. One of the most powerful questions is, what can I do to help? Okay? We're all going to do that. What can I do to help? So on the count of three, let's all say it together. Are you ready? One, two. Three, what can I do to help? Now, I hope you got it. I hope you, you, you have put that in your brain because this, this is a game changer. This will change your family. If everyone in your family would just ask this question once a day, what do you think it would do to the family d- dynamic of your, of your home? Yes, it would definitely, God would bless your family. And think about it. If you ask that kind of question, if if you're a parent in here today and you're parenting teenagers, one of the things that you know for sure is how quickly things can change. Maybe it's all the hormones raging, but it could go negative very, very quick. But when you ask this question, what can I do to help? It keeps conversations from going negative, it makes them from going negative. A lot of times when your teenager teenagers, you not even see it coming. It just hits. Boom. It exploded. Ladies, this is a powerful question for you and your man. Now, why is it? Because it's saying to him, I'm aware. I am aware of your burden. I am aware of the responsibility that you're carrying. Is there anything that I can do to leverage my time and my talents to help you? Men, some of your wives are afraid to ask you. Because as soon as they do, they start filling the walls of resistance coming up. And that's not fun. And when you ask her this question, you open the door. You open the door for your help. Because when you do, they they know that you are there for them. One more time ask the question, what can I do to help? Now, here's the barrier. The barrier for all of us that are hearing, you're like, I don't know about that. I don't know about asking that question, man. A lot of things can go wrong with that question. The barrier is fear. Kids are afraid to ask their parents that question. If they ask their parents that question, they're going to get sent out to pull weeds in the summer or shovel snow in the winter. (laughs) It's not something they want to do. It's something that they're a little bit afraid of. Then us adults, we're afraid to do that with our friends. We're like, I don't know about asking my friends what can I do to help because they're going to ask me to help them move. It's the worst thing in the world. And that is why Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 21 is so important. Submitting one, to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It will change your family. It will change this community. It will change this church. It's a simple question. Imagine this. And I'm ending. Imagine this. God is looking down from heaven, and he sees this big, old, messed up world that we live in, and he's got that look on his face of concern, sadness, all of it, and Jesus' son looks at his father, and he's concerned, and Jesus says, Father, what can I do to help what can I do to help? And God says, you don't want to know. Jesus taking that in for a second. He says, no, I really want to know. What can I do to help? God says, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your life. Jesus thinking about it for a moment. He says, I'll do it. God says, you're going to have to go down there and you're going to have to be number two. Not number one. You're going to have to go down there and get in line behind every person who has ever lived to help them. And Jesus said, "I'll do that." Now, the disciples, they saw that Jesus dying on the cross, and here the writing in Ephesians: submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Simple message today on the family, on this community. The church, I challenge you to throw your doors open. Throw your doors open to your time, your potential, your talents, everything. Make it available. Make it available and see how that will change this community. I don't know about you. That's what I want. I want God to use my life. I want him to use this church. I want us to be the difference makers in this community. But we could do it a lot better when we do it together. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for the simplicity of your word. When you take a very complicated subject like the family, and you give us simple solutions. Simple solution is just to love one another, to put others before ourselves. And God, I know that that's very difficult to do. It's not natural. To do it, it's, it's supernatural. And that's what we're asking today. Lord, for those that might be in this room, and they're just hearing about you, Lord, I pray that they would call your name. They would pray a simple prayer like, God, show me who you are, who you really are. And if you do, I'll follow you. So Lord, I pray for everyone in this congregation from the simple things that we need to do to the hard things that we need to do, knowing this whole time that you are saying that your grace is sufficient. I ask this in your name, amen.